Well, the title of the message this morning is, What do you do when you don't know what to do? Um, now, we all have our routines, uh, and many of those routines has, have to do with church ministry and so on. So we're, we're fairly busy, most of us, and going about our, that routine. And have you ever been stopped all of a sudden? Something comes, happens that the Lord changes the plan for some reason uh, that you have to figure out as you go along. And uh, you, you're, for a while you're stymied and you just don't know what to do. Uh, I have a, um, a rather humorous situation. At least it was humorous to me after I got over it. Um, I had to do some work in the yard, this is some time ago, and um, I keep my work shoes just right, right in the garage off the kitchen. And so I stepped out and began to put the work shoes on. I put the left one on and I laced it up and that was fine. And uh, then I went to put the right one on and I couldn't get it all the way on. And I pulled and I tugged and I still couldn't get it all the way on. So I thought, what do I do? So. Uh, brilliant person that I am, I thought, well, I better take it off and see what's going on in there. So I took the shoe off and out jumped a mouse. <laughs> he scampered across the garage floor and out the, the little crack in the, in the door of the garage and he was gone. And I was, he was happy and I was happy. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so, um, Uh, on a more serious note now, <laughs> you, you, if you've ever been in that position where you just... <laughs> not my position. <laughs> that was relatively easy. But uh, if you've ever been in that position yourself concerning things of a more serious nature... Now, that could have been serious. He could have bit my toe or something, but, you know... Um, but uh, if you've ever been in that, that kind of a position in, in, as you go about your daily lives where the Lord seems to steer you into something and you have, don't have a clue what you're supposed to do. And uh, that's what I want to talk with you about this morning. And uh, before we begin, let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for uh, today. We thank you for the nice weather that you've given to us. And Father, people in other parts of our country have not fared as well as we have we pray that uh, you would help them to, to um, uh, care for whatever needs need to be taken care of. And Father, that they get the help they need. And uh, Lord, that you would uh, help Christians to have an opportunity to, to uh, share with them. And, um, and, and as, as they potentially help people out, out. And Lord, we just uh, are so grateful for uh, this part of the country that you've given us to live in. And uh, that we are relatively free from a whole lot of that. And uh, Father, we just pray that uh, you would anoint your word to us and uh, challenge us this morning. And uh, we'll just uh, thank you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we'll start off in Acts chapter 16, first few verses here. Um, Paul is on his second missionary journey. And uh, Silas is with him. And... Um, and they're trucking along, and they, they uh, encounter a disciple 
whose name was Timothy, and he's quite well known to us because he became Pastor Timothy along the way. And uh, Paul wrote a couple of epistles to him, a couple of letters. And, um, uh, and he was well, verse 2 of Acts 16, he was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. And Paul wanted to have him go on with him on the missionary trip. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was Greek or a Gentile. Um, verse 4, And as they went throughout, through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. That would have been the council of Jerusalem that you read about in Acts chapter 15. So the churches were strengthened in faith and increased in number daily. And now picking it up in verse 6, Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. They were stopped cold. We're not told what the interruption, how the interruption happened or what, what was going on. It's just that the Holy Spirit uh, forbade them to go on, and, and uh, he handled that in some fashion. Uh, so the, the first uh, stoppage was uh, that, that they were forbidden to preach the, the word in Asia. By the way, Asia, when you see Asia in your Bible, it's not that huge continent where Russia is and China and India. Uh, in your Bible, it's Turkey, which is also known as Asia Minor. Um, so um, they were forbidden to move into that region. Now, if you... Pick up your Bible when you get home and take a look at the introduction in, in uh, uh, Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1. You'll see why, because that was Peter's territory, where they were about to move into. That was Peter's territory, and you'll see, uh, you'll see that. Um, so, forbidden of the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Verse 7, after they had come to Mycenae, they tried to go into Bithynia. So they made it a little bit further they detoured to a place called Bithynia, and they tried to, or, or Mycia, and they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So the Holy Spirit stopped them again uh, at that point. So verse 8, so passing by Mycia, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. Now, Troas... Uh, th this is quite a, a stoppage uh, for, for Paul and Silas and Timothy because um, uh, th this detour to Troas was a 400-mile detour. Now, 400-mile detour for us with our vehicles is, is bad enough. But on a donkey, that's, uh, that's quite a trip. But, but they... They went to Troas after passing Mycenae. And verse 9, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with them, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, Paul was not one to, to, to stand around or sit down or, or just stay put. He wanted to keep going. That was his, 
that was his norm, to just keep going and from town to town, city to city, church to church, uh, starting churches and uh, uh, presenting the gospel uh, wherever uh, just things just naturally uh, uh, took him. But now he's been stopped twice. Now we know that Paul was a praying man, and with being stopped like that and not having any understanding as to where he's supposed to go. I mean, they're wandering around a little bit. They're going to Troas and they're they're going to Bithynia or, or tempting and and uh, now they see this vision. And uh, Paul is probably grateful for that because he had no idea what was next. Uh, and and then this vision occurred uh, in. Uh, uh, with this man from Macedonia, and, and he stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. So Paul uh, no doubt prayed, and he certainly had to wait. We don't know how long this, this uh, a little stoppage uh, lasted. We're not told, but um, he had to wait for a little time, and he also had to trust the Lord, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which we're all so familiar with, uh, in, in, in order to uh, just wait on God and, uh, and to wait for his marching orders to continue, which, as we see, was to go on off to Macedonia. Um, so Paul found out what he had to do. He didn't know what he was supposed to do. But he found out, and uh, the Lord will always take care of us in those situations, and uh, the, because there's something that He wants our our antenna needs to perk up a little bit there when these things happen, because uh, uh, there's something that the Lord has for you and and, and me to do. Uh, it's just that we have to be patient and wait, pray on it, and and just before we can continue. Now. Let's look at another, that's one example. Let's look at another example. And uh, it's in Judges chapter 6. Uh, we are going to take a look at Gideon. Very familiar. Everybody knows about Gideon. Um, so in Judges chapter 6, uh, verses 1 and 2, we read, Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. Now this being the time of the judges, when the judges ruled Israel, um, uh, the, the children of Israel would fall into sin and, they, and the Lord would deliver them to a, a heathen nation uh, where they would uh, flounder around until they finally repented. And then he would raise up another judge to judge them and lead them, and they'd do fairly well for a while, and then it would happen again. They'd fall into sin. Lord would deliver them into uh, the hands of another heathen nation, and then he'd raise another judge up. And uh, we have quite a strew of judges during that period of time. And um, so Gideon was the judge that was uh, handling things at this particular time. And we skip down to verse 12 of... Uh, Judges chapter 6, and, and, it's, and it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him, that's Gideon, and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, 
Why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites, and sin, their sin, is the reason. Verse, verse 14, Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So here we don't have, here we don't have a stoppage. We have a go-ahead uh, that's been mandated, and that's always a comfortable thing, except uh, the, the journey that, that he's going to be on and the things he has to do uh, are going to be, become very interesting. So verse 15, so he said to him, O oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Little old me, how can I do this? And so he's doubting uh, that the Lord can handle this through him uh, at this point in time. And that's rather a, a, a nerve-wracking feeling uh, to have that uh, situation. And um, so... He says, verse 15, O oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. So the question then becomes, uh, exactly where does God want us when these things happen? I mean, that's a natural thing that we're curious about. And uh, we're stuck sometimes until we get uh, the, the, the go-ahead from God and the information that we need from God to, to move out. So verse, uh, let's uh, just skip down to verse 33 in Judges chapter 6. Verse 33 says, Then all the Midianites and Amalekites and people of the east gathered together, and they crossed over and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew the trumpet, and the Abizrites gathered behind him, and he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, who also gathered behind him. He also sent messengers to Asher, some, some of the other tribes of Israel, Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, and they came up to meet them. Now, when the Lord finally comes through, he comes through big. Amen? And that's what he's done here. Um, so... Picking it up in verse 36. So Gideon said to God, because he's still a little nervous about this, he said, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, look, I shall put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor, if, and if there is dew on the fleece only, and it is dry on the, all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. Could we say that Gideon wants assurance? I think you and I would want assurance here. Um, so, verse 38, And it was so, when he rose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece together, he wrung the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. Verse 39, Then Gideon said to God, Do not be angry with me, but let me speak just once more. Uh, Gideon is concerned in, uh, in being in any way bold with our Heavenly Father, and so um, um, he, he, he was a little nervous, and he said, don't be angry, but let me speak just once more. Let me test, I pray, just once more with the fleece. Now, he tested the fleece al already, 
and he wrung out a bowl full of water. So this test is going to be the opposite, as you're probably well aware. And um, it's, it's going to be the fleece will be dry and the ground will be wet. Um, so in verse 40, and God did so that night. It was dry on the fleece only, but there was dew on the ground. Now, um, we're, we're going to t take a look at, people have been, Chris, or, or preachers have sometimes been critical of, of this, of Gideon's situation here in testing the Lord twice and so on, if, uh, accusing him of not having uh, any faith and, and so on. And uh, I don't agree with that. And um, uh, because there's, there's plenty, of, uh, there's plenty of, of ways to indicate to God that, that you, you would like assurance of, of what he'd like you to do not because you're afraid of it, but because you want to make sure that you're, you're doing what he wants you to do. And uh, we're going to see here in a minute uh, another situation that is very similar to this um, that uh, God allowed to, to have happen. Um, and we'll be, we'll be there in just a few minutes. So um, in uh, verse, chapter 7, verse 2, the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Now, uh, this is an important principle. If God were to allow an overwhelming throng to win the day, we would dismiss his importance in the matter, leaving us to gloat over what we perceive as our own accomplishments. This would devalue our faith in him and his importance to us. This is why God must get the glory in every victory he gives us so that we will continuously rely upon him. So that's what has happened here so far with Gideon. And... Um, Make sure I didn't skip a page here. Yeah, and uh, in chapter, uh, chapter 7, verse 3, Now therefore, proclaim in the hearing of the people, these are his instructions, saying, whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead, because there are too many to, to fight this battle. And if I were Gideon, I'd be saying, what? <laughs> there are too many? Uh, we need a, a horde, don't we? Uh, but um, so he says, therefore proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 uh, people returned and 10,000 remained. 22,000 left. They bailed out and 10,000 remained. Um, so, without any hesitation, 22,000 said, I want nothing to do with this. And God allowed that because he wants the number to be whittled down. And, um, and Gideon is pretty happy with that. That, that he's been, not that the 22,000 left, but that he's still left with 10,000 people. So, um,
let me continue on here. Um, so the people are still too many. Uh, bring them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps from the water with his tongue, as a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. Now, Gideon is now being trimmed, his, his, his army is being trimmed now even further. And uh, he's probably wondering, what do I do now? How am I going to defeat these people with such a meager troop? So, verse 7, Then the Lord said to Gideon, By the 300 men who lapped, I will save you, and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go every man to his place. So the few that were left went back, and he had 300 men to do this with. And I can imagine Gideon was, was fairly nervous at this point, but the Lord has honored him with the fleece, and uh, he's let the, the 22,000 go, and uh, he, so he's going to move ahead with this and trust the Lord. Now, um, and they, they defeated, they defeated their, their enemies uh, easily with the 300 people and uh, at, at overwhelming odds, to say the least. Now, I mentioned a moment ago that um, the, uh, there, there is criticism concerning the fleece uh, because of, of some people saying, well, he didn't trust God, and so on. But you know, this happened another time with David. And uh, we want to turn there now, 1 Samuel chapter 23. 1 Samuel chapter 23. And David also did something similar and did it twice. So, chapter, uh, chapter uh, 23, verses 1 through 5. Then they told David, saying, Look, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah, and they are robbing the threshing floors. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and save Keilah. So, the Lord gave David the green light to go ahead and do this. Verse 3 says, But David's men said to him, Look, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more then if we go to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? Now this gave David pause. David stopped right in his tracks here. Uh, he had received the information and the order from the Lord, but now he's having, he's, he has a problem now because his men are afraid. And he thought that since this was supposedly the Lord's will, his, his men would be ready to go. So 
in verse 4, David inquired of the Lord once again, and the Lord answered him and said, Arise, go down to Keilah, for I will deliver the Philistine stains into your hand. Notice the Lord, how gracious he is with us, how gentle he is with us. Um, he, he didn't get angry with, with uh, Gideon because of the fleece. He allowed him that liberty and understanding the, the situation that, that uh, uh, he was in. And David also, the Lord was gracious with him, understanding that the men are afraid and uh, to give him an opportunity to, to, to have the Lord reassure him that they should uh, engage this battle. So David inquired of the Lord again, and the Lord answered him and said, Arise, go down to Keilah. The, the Lord's instructions are the same. He, he doesn't get... Uh, what, what do you and I do when we give instructions to our kids or, or someone else, and they don't obey them perfectly, and, or maybe they misunderstood and sometimes we get angry with them, or we get impatient with them. The Lord doesn't do that. And uh, he just repeats very clearly what has to be done and, uh, so that uh, we can be certain of his will. So he says a second time, Arise, go down to Keilah, for I will deliver the Philistines into your hand. And David and his men went to Keilah and fought with the Philistines, struck them with a mighty blow, and took away their livestock. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. That assurance from the Lord assured David and no doubt his men that they could go ahead with this. Now, the pinnacle passage that I, I want to get to here is found in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, and uh, verses uh, 1 through 22 and it concerns a very godly king, Jehoshaphat. Now, he was a godly king. He faltered a bit in his faith towards the end of his reign, but uh, he nonetheless was a, was a very godly fellow and, uh, and did a lot of good. So picking it up in verse 1 of Second Chronicles chapter 20, it happened after this, the, whatever events occurred before this, it happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them, besides the Ammonites, came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria. And Jehoshaphat feared. Now David feared concerning his situation. Now Jehoshaphat, has, has fear has cropped up in him. So he feared and set himself Look what it says, to seek the Lord. He, he, he feared and set himself to seek the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast. This is the godliness of Jehoshaphat, and every step he takes now is, uh, is, is, is exactly what uh, he should have done. He feared, set himself to seek the Lord, and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. Verse 4, so Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord, and from all the cities of, Ju of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. So they have t his example has caused the people to get on board here a little bit and be supportive. Um, verse 6, 
Uh, verse 5, Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, now Jehoshaphat is going to pray now in the hearing of all the people. O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven, and do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might, so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? Now he's becoming pretty bold with God. And we are told to come boldly before the throne of grace. And uh, that, that's something that I'm not sure, certain we do uh, as well as, as Jehoshaphat is doing here or as, or as Paul did in his day. So, your hand is there, uh, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not the God in heaven, and do you not rule over the kingdoms? And in uh, your hand is there not power and might, so that no one is able to withstand you? And you are not our God who drove out, are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel, and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. Verse 10, and now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came up out of the land. Out of the land of Egypt. But they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. Our, uh, oh, our God, will you not judge them? And here's the key, the key passage that uh, matches the, uh, the title of the message. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. They did not know what to do in this situation, but their eyes are upon the Lord. So, as godly a man as Jehoshaphat was and all he has done here, including this prayer, um, let's see how this pans out. Verse 13, Now all Judah with their little ones, their wives and their children, stood before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, and he said, Listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you, King Jehoshaphat, Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Imagine you and I being out there in this situation, and you hear those words. 
The battle is not yours, but God's. <sighs> Don't you think? You would sigh a, a great sigh of relief. Verse 16, getting the instructions now. Tomorrow, go down against them. And here's another relief in verse 17. You will not need to fight in this battle. Boy, isn't that nice? Wouldn't it be nice if all of our struggles uh, turned out to be that way? And actually, if you, if you think back on the struggles that you and I have had over the weeks, months, and years in our walk with the Lord, uh, it's, once, once we look back on it, we see his hand in it. His hand is always in it. And we have to acknowledge every time when we do that, that he is, has taken care of it and give him the praise and the glory. You will not need to fight in this battle. Then he says, position yourselves. Then he says, stand still. So not, not only is the battle the Lord's, and, they, and he's told them you will not have to fight in this battle, but don't even move. Just stand still. And see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Another sigh of, of relief. A reassurance that the Lord is going to take care of this. So Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. That would do it for me, wouldn't it for you? Amen. Um, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Verse 18, And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord of Israel with voices loud and high. Yeah, I mean, you can imagine their, their, their willingness to do this now because of the relief that they have received from what the Lord have, has, has, uh, has told them. And they lift their voices and praise Israel with vo voices and praise God with voices loud and high. Verse 20, so they arose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness. And they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. Now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. I can just picture that happening, and, uh, and, and what the, the children of Israel were experiencing when they saw all that. Now Jehoshaphat did not know what to do by his own words. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. 
And, um, and yet he did exactly what he was supposed to do. He prayed, he waited, and he trusted. Trusted in God to handle this battle. I'm going to have a couple of closing psalms to uh, support what we've, what we've seen this morning. In Psalm 25, verse 15, that reads, My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. And a second one, Psalm 37, verses 7 through 9. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way. Because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it only causes harm. Interesting statement. Do not fret, it only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. So, Whenever we run into a situation and we're befuddled, we just don't know what to do, we need to stop and pray and just wait on the Lord and trust in him. And he will come to our rescue sooner or later or send someone or whatever means he he would like to do it. And uh, he will handle the situation and get you back on track. Uh, We've seen all these three examples now of how that, that happened perfectly.